Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church, where the PMB, Pastor Matt Brown, yes. has real answers to tough questions. In the his eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. And we are here again with our co-host, Jono. Hey, hey, everybody. Good to be here. Here's Johnny. Good to be here. Nobody knows what I get that, that is. Now. Oh, do you? No, I get that now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll Johnny Carson. Last week and yes. I thought it was we, we, we thought you went really dark, but yeah. actually. Yeah, I love it. I love yeah. Johnny Carson. He was great. This is a real deal. Yeah, a little before my time, but yeah. I heard good things. Yeah, you want to get invited on the couch. That's every comedian's dream. That's right. My dream that will never happen because he no. is deceased. I'm yeah. sorry. Is there a couch yeah. you prefer to be invited on now? Hmm. I'd love to sit and talk with Donald Trump on the couch. Mm. I don't know how much words I'd get in. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'd love to well, talk with him. Well, if he's a listener. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I he's don't a listener. He may not be. <laughs> yeah. It strike me as a that. podcast yeah. guy, mm. but Maybe could not. be wrong. That's yeah. true. Yeah, That's it's all true. our MAGA listeners. Yeah. We're not making fun of them. I just don't think he's a listener. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a talker. Yeah, that's and true. I'm a talker. Yeah. That'd be a good week. If we could record that, I would love yeah. that. Yeah, you know, I was supposed to meet him last year. When you went? Mm -hmm. I went and he didn't show. Uh, he sent Mike Pence, uh, who's awesome, who's also a close talker. I'm a close uh, talker. Mike Pence is a close talker. Ooh, wow. It was showdown. a close talker showdown. <laughs> And I gotta be honest, so who backed up Mike first? Pence won, dude. That dude. I, <laughs> Did you I, back up? Well, he was surrounded by security, so oh, it was a little. Wow, intimidating. That's a little intimidating, you know. And I, I was surrounded by my wife who was filming with her iPhone, so that was it. <laughs> Secretly or openly? Openly. Oh yeah, dude. Blonde and beautiful gets you anywhere. Oh, that's fair. I, I mean, I got stopped at every level of security. My <laughs> cell phone was confiscated. Tammy could have brought a machine gun into the White House. They wouldn't <laughs> have known. Excuse me, is this man bothering you, ma'am? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. World over, I don't care how secure you are, beautiful women get through all kinds of stuff. It's not fair. Yeah, that's true. That <laughs> Sorry, is true. guys. That's, oh, that's the consequence for marrying a beautiful woman. Well, there's or, a song or about a benefit. that. She probably has gotten you out of a lot of situations that you could have gotten in trouble for. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, whenever we're trying to merge traffic, I always oh, make no. her roll the window down. I'm like, stick your head out. Stick oh your head out. God. Flap your eyelashes. She's like, this is not fair. But you know what? But they then, always but let then us then in. it works. Yeah. They oh, always let us in. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Some things just probably won't change. Uh, all right. Well, here on The Debrief, we are doing some questions of follow-up to the year series, Best Year Ever, where we're talking about how to have a better year this yes. year, make 29 better than, 2019 better than last year. Uh, so we have a follow-up question from last week where we started uh -oh. talking about the devil last week, and we had a question we did not get a chance to get to, so we want to make sure to get to it now. So Trin wrote in and said, the week before last, you talked about how the enemy sneaks into your dating life and that sometimes there are two voices. For someone who is currently in a dating relationship, how do I deal with the anxiety and uncertainty of the person you're dating and determine whether that's the enemy getting into my dating life or just past feelings from previous bad relationships? Okay, here's mm. the first thing I would say, Trent, is get in a community group with the person you're dating. That's what I would say. Mm -hmm. oh, get good. them around other people and allow other people to speak into your life. And so the reality is, and we're going to talk about this this next weekend, but people see... People see the things that are obvious that we are oblivious to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's obvious to others, we're oblivious to. And that's just the reality. And so Trin, that's what I would say is get in a community group, uh, invite them in, and that's your first sign. If they're not willing to get in a group with you, mm -hmm. specifically with older, wiser people, yes. dump them. That's yeah. what I would say. Because, I mean, if they don't want to be seen, then they're trying to hide something. And so that's what I would say. She said something about past relationships. Yeah, she's wondering if the anxiety and uncertainty is the enemy that's getting into her dating life or if she's just having past feelings from her previous bad relationships. Well, I would say it's probably a combination of both. Mm -hmm. I mean, the enemy is going to use whatever uh, power he has and certainly the sins, the mistakes, uh, painful memories, things that have happened. 
of course he's going to use those things. I mean, he's going to use whatever he can against you, but some of that could just could be wisdom trying to sneak in and saying, okay, here I go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we tend, we tend to, um, attract the same people. I remember years ago when Facebook came out, and this is a true story. Um, I mean, abs- it's embarrassingly true. My first girlfriend uh, in fourth grade, her name is Tiffany. <laughs> and so we went to see, <laughs> oh, what movie did we go see? We went on a date with her mom. She had one of those love vans in the seventies. We were not in the love van. We were on the roof, but her mom was in the love van. Oh yeah. But we went to see, oh, what was it? Um, oh man. Oh man, my mind, my mind, my mind. Um, was it? Who's in it? He, he robs the rich to give to the poor. Robin, Robin, Hood. Robin Hood. There we go. Robin Hood. Disney's Robin Hood. The Disney, cartoon. Yeah. The cartoon. So it was like the foxes. Yeah. Four yeah. Fourth grade. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but anyways, um, when Facebook first came, came out, she friended me and I saw her, um, her, what do you call it? Profile, profile, yeah, profile picture. picture. Yeah. I printed it out. I did. I printed it out, put it in a frame and put it on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> my own kids thought it was Tammy. Oh, it's yeah. bizarre, Whoa. bizarre. So apparently I have a type, right? I have a type. <laughs> um, it, she looks exactly That's like great. Tammy. Tammy couldn't even tell. Like she would it say, oh, her. she's like, yeah, no. And so I, I think we tend to be drawn to the same things. Hmm. Now that can be a good thing or that can be a bad thing. And that's why we find ourselves getting into these patterns. And hmm. it's like, okay, how do I get out of this pattern? How do I get away from this? And so, uh, you know, I mean, we probably all have types, so to speak, that we're attracted to, but we may have personalities that we're attracted to. Mm -hmm. And we can get into these really negative ruts where, oh, I keep picking the same kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Stop that. And so, Trent, that's what I would say is, you know, if you have a pattern of picking two or three guys in a row that are bad, I mean, everybody gets a one-off, right? You're like, well, that didn't work out. Okay. So get out of it as quickly as you can. But if this is a consistent pattern in your life, then the problem's not the devil, the problem's you. Yeah. And you need to look at yourself and you need to say, okay, I need to spend some time. So here's what I would say. I, if you're this gal or guy that keeps picking the wrong guys or gals, you need to take a break. Mm-hmm. And you really need sure. to spend some time with God. And you need to get to know God. You need to get to know yourself so that you and God can pick someone else better. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a great place to look at is, you know, First uh, Corinthians 6 and 7 talking about being unequally yoked and, and, and how to choose somebody. Proverbs 31 is another great chapter to look at um, for dating. A lot of women look at that, but really it's for mm. guys yes. um, that talks about beauty fades, but, you know, character remains. And so mm. you really need to look at that passage. So that's what I'd say, Trent, is, is, is look at your pattern. Are you establishing a pattern? Um, and then maybe you need to change so that you can attract the kind of guy that you want. Mm. And so that's the, you know, the best way to attract a healthy spouse is to be a healthy person. Mm. And and that's the best way. So look at yourself, make the changes that you need to make. And here's what I would say, Trent, invite others to say, what is it that you see? Mm-hmm. What is it that I'm doing? Yeah. Why do I keep, you know, finding myself in these situations? And, you know, dating's a tough thing because mm. I think most people, not all, but most people want love, want affection, mm. want to be physical, hope to be sexual. None of those things are bad things. The problem is you want to experience those things within the safety of marriage. Right. Um, so God is not against sex. He's against sex ruining you. And the way that sex ruins you is outside the context of a loving, committed, monogamous, heterosexual relationship. Mm. And that's where you need to experience that. And so that's what I would say. So so invite your boyfriend to a small group and, yeah. and talk about it. You got any thoughts? Well, yeah, I like what she said here. And and you can hear her heart when she said, she, um, I just passed feeling from previous bad relationships. Mm-hmm. Anytime 
when we talk biblically being past feeling is that I've continually resisted God's standard for my life. Mm. And so is that is that going on? That would be a good question, I, th- I think, mm-hmm. for her. If, if there are things that are clearly God's standards in God's word, then yeah, that, that would be a problem. And exactly what you said, that was so good. Maybe it is time to take a break, to step back for a season yeah. and really get right with, with the Lord and understanding clearly these are the God, God's standards for my life and I want to really know how to walk in them before mm-hmm. I bring someone else into that yeah. into yeah. that relationship. Um, yeah, that that call to what, what are God's standards? Do you know them? Yeah. Have you spent time in God's word? Yeah. 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 Well, and I love that element of bringing community in because you've talked about this a lot, Pastor Matt, that a lot of times we will punish the person we're with now for things that have happened in the past. And I mm-hmm. think community is really going to be the best place for you to figure out, is this yes. some issues from my past relationship coming up now, or have I just chosen the same person again? Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I feel like there's always like that feeling of folks when you first start dating, like they want to protect their relationship from everyone. And Oh, if people are telling me they're bad, mm-hmm. like they s- stay away from folks. But yeah. I feel like the more you can be vulnerable and really invite those wise godly people into your relationship early on and let them get to know that person and let them tell you what they actually think, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. Like for example, in my house, you know, to date, uh, my daughters and my daughters are women. So they're 22 and almost 21 to date them. The the young man has to meet me to date. That's not to ask Mm -hmm. for marriage. Mm -hmm. And so if they're opposed to me meeting them, what are they hiding? Yeah. What what are they hiding? I love my daughters. I want the best for them. I want, Mm them to have a passionate, real, sexual relationship within the context of marriage. I'm yeah. not opposed to that at all. Yeah. But what I am opposed to is them sleeping with some dirtbag that wants to use them and won't love them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I'm yeah. grateful that my daughters care about me. And here's what I'd say. Let's say you don't have me as your dad. Who are the men in your small group? Uh, they're, they're a little bit older, a little bit wiser. Mm. Have them meet them. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's the guy that I'm dating, and and, and I want to make these changes. Look, you, you don't have to have a dad, but you do need a family. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay? Bing. And that's why we have the yeah. church. We have the family of God, and so we we need community groups. And, um, you know, I'll just be honest. In my small group, there's another man in my small group. My wife values his opinion on the same level as mine, mm. and he speaks truth into her life, and he, he loves her, and he cares for her, and he wants the absolute best for her. And uh, it's been such a blessing, mm. you know, like if we have a conflict or we disagree and that same person can speak into the lives of my children and it's been fantastic. And so we all need that. We all need that. We have a propensity towards sin. We are naturally bent towards doing what is wrong. That's just what it means to be a human. Mm-hmm. So we have to give the Holy Spirit as many possible opportunities to speak truth into us. And that's through uh reading God's word. That's through praying, yeah. but it's it's through going to church, but it's also through living out life in community. Mm. And, um, you know, so Trin, that's what I would say. Spend as much time as you can with God's people in God's word, with God's truth, mm. and invite that person into your life. And, and and for everybody dating, it's easier to start a relationship off right mm-hmm. than it is to start off wrong and get it right. Mm. That's so, good. so what I would just say is, is, is try to start off right. Um, you know, and again, listen to your anxieties and your worries. And, and let me just say this, there is no one perfect so don't have an unrealistic standard. Um, you know, I think for most single people, you need to lower the standard of what someone needs to look like, and you need to raise the standard of how someone is. Oh, so yeah. that's what I would say is we get too caught up on how they look, and we lower the bar too low on how they are. Yeah. And so, you know, attraction, again, and you've heard me say this, things in nature that are beautiful are usually dangerous. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So, uh, like, there's a snake I'm fascinated from. It's in Indonesia. It's called the white-lipped snake, and it's, like, turquoise blue, mm. has these white lips, and it's deadly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's deadly. Or Don't the, pet it. Or the frogs. Yeah, they're called the, yeah. beautiful Ooh, frogs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. And what would you say, first? because this comes up a lot as far as, you know, how do I navigate these these years and that sort of thing. When you When we talk about getting in small groups, a lot of times small group, people will try it, and, well... Uh, I want to be in a group that's people all my age. Right. Or I want to be in a group that they're all into the same things I'm into. What would you say in, in that scenario? I would say get in two groups. Mm. I, I think it's fine. You know, like if you're young and single, you you, you obviously want to be around young and single people right. who, you know, because that, right. You're not going to, you're not going to find a spouse in my group. You know, right. most of us are married and old. So <laughs> you need to get, you know, get with the young adult groups, mm. but don't isolate yourself with people whose collective wisdom is the same as yours. Sure. So you need to seek out people who are wise, who are smarter than you, mm. who've lived a little life. And um, and I, it's just weird, but, you know, even my kids, man, I can't lead my kids nearly as well now as someone else. Mm. You know, my kids tend to, when I talk, it's just blah, 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 but, you know, it's just <laughs> like, man. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, they, they got to figure that for themselves. So I would say get into two small groups. I oh, mean... Yeah. Mm. But make sure you're loyal to those groups sure. and you're showing up and tell sure. the group, you know, hey, yeah, I'm double dipping here yeah, and, yeah. And, and explain why. Because if you're young and single, I think it's great to be around young and single people. But you also at some point are going to have to graduate from that group and get into group with communities. Yeah. And so, like, for example, my wife's um, my wife's grandmother died about a month ago, but we had her funeral on mm. Sunday. Um, and it was interesting. One of the young men, young single guys that was in the small group, now he's married, two kids, you know, he's 40. But but way back when, when he was in Tammy's mom's small group, he was a young single guy mm-hmm. and he showed up to the funeral mm-hmm. because that th- those relationships had significant impact on him. Right. And so here he is, a 40-year-old man, but he's family and he shows yeah. up to grieve the loss of someone mm-hmm. that was middle-aged at the time and their mother died. And I just thought that was profound and that was really, really amazing. Mm-hmm. And man, those there are significant relationships that can be connected. And again, man, if you're older, you want younger people in your group to keep you connected, to Mm -hmm. to find out what's going on. Young people have a vibrancy for life that we tend to lose as we age. Mm. And so we want to maintain that, that excitement. And, um, you know, there's nothing more exciting than walk along a a young person that's learning to follow Christ and experiencing those things for the first time. And, Mm. um, you know, I, I just remember just a couple of weeks ago, I was actually sitting in this room where we're talking and, um, um, talking to a, a, a young gal, her name's Cassidy, about her receiving the Holy Spirit. Mm. And man, it just it just reminded me of, of, of what that was like when I said, man, God, I want your spirit to guide me, to control me, to, to fill me. And, you know, as she's telling me that, you know, tears, tears of joy are just streaming down her face mm-hmm. as she as a 26-year-old gave her life over to God and said, wow. I, I want your spirit inside me. And she just talked about it was the greatest moment of her life. And I'm mm. just like, oh my gosh, you know, it's just so awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's what life's all about. And, and I, I cherish that moment. Mm. And so that's what you get to experience again, when you're not just stuck in your routine, but you're, you're reaching out to young people and you have a heart for young people and you want to see what God is doing. Mm. Um, and that's cool. So thank you, Trin. We love yeah. you. We're praying yeah. for you and just know it's a big decision. It's a really, really big mm-hmm. decision and uh, God gives you a lot of choices in dating, but once you get married, what God says is yeah. what what God has joined together, let no man tear apart. And so right. you need to think about that. Now, society doesn't care about marriage, but God does. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. 
And within your relationship, there's always these dynamics that you yeah. got to figure out. And mm -hmm. actually, from your from your talk this weekend, there's quite a few questions um, that came up in regards to anger and and temper. Summer wrote in. She said, "How do I avoid letting my temper get the best of me? I feel like I start getting irritable with the people I love, and despite knowing it's irrational, I let my temper burst and say things I don't mean." Yeah. Wow. Kind of the other side of that relationship yeah. aspect. So a, a part of it is, man, I, I just had a, I had a, a really bad day last week mm -hmm. and where I was just irritable, grumpy, snappy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I really, I just was like, what is going on? I actually thought, am I having a stroke? Like, I mean, I was like, this is, cause I'm not normally <laughs> that way. Yeah. And um, that's the same day I had uh, the, um, the migraine headache and mm -hmm. I got accosted by essential oils and I broke out in the. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I had a welt oh my on gosh. my neck. The person literally, when I was preaching that, texted me from Palm Avenue campus and said, but your headache went away. I'm like, yeah, but I got a <laughs> tumor. You know, it's because all the blood flow left my brain and went to the tumor that was growing out of the side of my neck. Uh -huh. um, but I got to be honest, the essential oils did seem to help. So, um, you know, I, I, I just be, be attentive. What's going on? Have you slept? Have you eaten? Mm. What have you eaten? Like, right? That's good. Like when the car runs out of gas, what does that mean? Mm. You ain't putting gas in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what, so oftentimes we're not paying attention to what we're eating. Um, we're just eating sugars and, and carbs and caffeine. And, mm. and the modern diet is so unhealthy and it's so terrible. So take a look at that. Man, you, you, you might be bipolar. I mean, that could happen. You know, go talk to a counselor. If, if literally your emotions are in the driver's seat, take a look, go talk to a psychologist. Mm. Um, and deal with what's going on. And so what I would say mm. is before these words come out, let's deal with what's on the inside because yeah. all that's coming out is what's happening already on the inside right. oh, yeah. and say, God, take this away. Mm -hmm. um, God, just just remove this from me, pry this out of me um, and, and learn to not be angry at people, but learn to be angry at your anger. Mm -hmm. Say, God, I, I don't want to do this. And when you blow up, um, because I have a particularly explosive personality, I've always been passionate Um you know, I remember when we first got married, <laughs> my kids would cry when I would yell at the football, you know, team on TV. <laughs> oh, yeah. And my wife's like, I married a psycho. Because um, she grew up with all girls. Oh, yeah. Like they watched we don't yell no football. Yeah. Totally oh, yeah. my gosh. Um, so I have had to learn to really curb some of my enthusiasm, mm -hmm. um, mm. you know, and, and, and the more passionate you are, the more you have to really guard yourself in those moments. Mm. Uh, you know, the positives of passion, right, is you're very loving, you're very expressive, you're very kind. The negative is, man, when that pendulum swings, right, it yeah. gets really, really ugly, and you say some really mean things. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like she's not just anger, angry. She's quick, and she's witted. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's using her words to tear down people. And so mm -hmm. here's what's so sad is God's probably given her a gift, hmm. and the enemy is using that gift. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, well, and I even wonder too, because I feel like I can get like this, like I, my once I get angry, like stuff just kind of comes out, and I say it. I would almost to think about what's going on in her life. I know, you know, probably the end of last year was really tough. You know, my job was changing, life was changing, new baby, like all sorts of things mm -hmm. were happening. And I went through like a couple of weeks of just being mean. Like mm -hmm. I was the meanest version of myself. Poor Tyler, like yeah. was like, and I was like snapping at everything. Mm -hmm. Like, and I finally stopped and like thought about everything that was going on, all the changes I was processing and realized, mm -hmm. oh, my anger is coming out because I'm actually hurt from some relational things that had happened. I was hurt from some changes that were happening in my life and it was all coming out in anger toward things that didn't matter at all. And so I would almost stop and think like, what's going on in your life right now? What has changed? What has hurt you that you haven't really dealt with yet? What are like, 
what's your anger actually about mm-hmm. rather than just you're probably you maybe not aren't mad at the people you're staffing at they yeah. probably did something that bothered you but not to the level i think right. you're realizing of the irrational letting, yeah that irrational anger level so i would almost stop and step back and look at what else is going on because mm-hmm. if you're like me and you're in the like you know i'm a one and i'm a nine so we shove that anger deep mm. deep down because that's bad but it's going to come out. And so maybe look at what else might be making you angry mm. right now. Yeah. And oftentimes it comes out around people we feel safe, which oh, yeah. are the people that we love the most. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, that's what's just said about life. The people that we claim to love the most are often the ones we hurt the most. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. And, um, you know, so, so that you just really, really guard against mm-hmm. that. The other thing I would say is our society, we're so frazzled. We're always late. We're mm-hmm. in order to do more, you got to learn to do less. And so what I would do is try to pull it back so... I'm frazzled and snappy when we're running late. We've got too much on our plate and too much on our calendar. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we've got to learn to slow down. And, um, you know, my wife is an adder. She likes to add things. <laughs> oh, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do this. We got to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we have to have real conversations with, okay, well, if we add this, what are we going to take away? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we don't have an infinite number of hours and time. And, um, and that's a hard conversation. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I, I feel like I live my life right at the red line. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't have a lot left, so I have to be very, very careful, and I tend to go over that mm-hmm. red line, and that's that's when I'm the most unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, the worst fight Tammy and I ever got in, I, th- I'm embarrassed to say this, I did an Ironman on Easter weekend. <laughs> I, I remember you that remember weekend, that? yes. We I did an Ironman on Easter weekend, came and I preached the second service on Saturday night. We went out to Pete's afterwards. I remember seeing stars. I got like, oh, you know, man. like, like yeah, when yeah. you're going to pa- pass yeah. out. I started mm-hmm. seeing stars. Oh man. I went to bed, got up the next morning. We did, I can't remember if we did three or four services on Sunday morning. Uh, then we had, you know, the family festivities. And then because we're idiots, we planned a vacation <laughs> on Monday where we had to pack all of our stuff and oh, get yeah. in the car and head out. Just and the best. oh, just so you know, <laughs> we have a family meeting that we had to have with a family member where we had had a huge fight and we hadn't spoken in four months and they wanted to talk. And the only time they could talk was that Monday morning before we went on vacation. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, and I kid you not, this really happened. And on our way to meet this single person who has nothing but free time, they canceled because they were busy. Oh, man. And I <laughs> just... Meltdown coming. Oh, I blew. I said things that you, I mean, and here's the thing that's so scary. My whole blow up was probably two minutes. Mm. My wife is an elephant and she remembers everything forever. And so right right as soon as I get it out, I realize, uh Mm -hmm. uh uh-oh, uh-oh. She gets out of the car. She starts yelling at me. I'm literally, my wife is yelling and I'm driving along next to her like, like two miles an hour, get in the car, get in the car, get in the car. And she's like, you don't tell me what to do. And I'm like, oh man, here we go. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it, it was, it was so bad. So we had to decide, do we go on the vacation or not? Yeah. Like we're all packed up. Oh, Our friends man. are ready to go. Oh, man. And so here's the decision we made. It was like an eight hour drive. Tammy drove with the other family. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And so I had to drive by myself for uh-huh. eight hours, like, Got some thinking time. Oh, That's dude, good. it was horrible. It was so horrible. And we stayed in this run-down, oh, disgusting hotel. Oh, man. Um, That's it was gross. Somewhere, mm-hmm. we were, I think we were going to the Grand Canyon. That's no, where we were going. No. And, um, uh-huh. oh, and what was so bad is we we're going to spend a week in a tent together. Oh, I'm like, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> um, thank God we had those those uh, mummy sleeping bags. Mm-hmm. You just, you just <laughs> zip it up. Whoops. Isolation. But in the middle of the night, I had a panic attack. Oh, yeah. And I, and I felt oh, like yeah. I couldn't get out. Then I oh, couldn't get out. no. 
Dude, a mummy bag is serious, man. Oh. <laughs> so anyways, literally, I mean. You, There's okay. a movie in here somewhere. Yeah. So, I can see this. So that's right. So, uh, you know, you, you look at that from an outsider perspective. You say, okay, why did you do an Iron Man on the, you know, mm-hmm. on Easter weekend? <laughs> why did you plan a vacation for the day after Easter? Why, why, did you, yeah. why did you plan a vacation? Why did you take a meeting with, you know, your mm-hmm. uh, relative that you have been not speaking to for four months? Why, 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 why? And then, poof, yeah. um, you know. Perfect storm. And, and unfortunately, my exhaustion, my stress, uh, Really, my my frustration towards um, our relative all mm. came out on Tammy, which isn't fair. Yeah, and um, she had been supportive, you know. Uh, and what's so sad is just the day before when I finished my Ironman, I collapsed into her arms and I cried because it was my mm-hmm. first one I'd ever done. And she hugged me, and it was so beautiful we went from moment. this we went from this beautiful moment on Saturday to literally we're getting divorced on Monday morning, yeah. and it was just like, what, what? is going on, hmm. you know? And it was just so dumb, and so. Thank yeah. God we were stuck at the bottom of Grand Canyon with no cell phones in a tent for a week. Right. And and we worked it out. But, you know, that was just like me, like, sacrificing the animal every day, saying I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, and it was for it was yeah. for two minutes of words. Yeah. Two minutes of words. Yeah. And here's the sad thing. I don't know about her. I couldn't even remember what I said. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, I can't tell you how many times she'd be like, you said this. And I was like, what? I did? Mm. Why, are you kidding me? I not, why would I that's say that? terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Who said so, it? Oh man. And so um and I just I I, I literally lost mm. it. And um it was just dumb. Mm. So so dumb. But that's good though to think about what are your circumstances? What are you saying yes to? She's saying how do I avoid letting get my temper get the best of me? That those are some really good tangible mm-hmm. hows. Think about what are you saying yes to? Like you said, where are you at? With your with your schedule, with yeah. eating, I mean, all of it's all part of it. Um, Shasta said a similar question, but kind of on the other end of the spectrum. She says, "This is going to sound just awful, which is a great way to start." <laughs> but I'm being real, so I got to ask. Yes, we like that. Yes, mm-hmm. um, how do I get through life without needing to be right? Mm. It's a real struggle. I will go to war with myself and my mind about situations at work, my peers, my family, my friends, where I feel like. They are wrong, out of line, unfair, unable to see my side. Um, I remain calm so that my inner lunatic, I like that, uh, doesn't come out. Uh, but then I live at war with myself and wanting to speak up. Yeah. So there's this real struggle that's going on with her kind of on the other side, holding it in. What would you say? Yeah. Well, I think we all have an inner lunatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and, and if we listen to that guy or that gal, we will go crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's the thing is the world is broken. Mm-hmm. It is broken it just yeah. is and um you know i mean we, we've got to deal with that and we've got to embrace that and so here's the thing is is i think what you've she said um can, read the opening line um sorry how do i get through life without needing to be right it's right, a real struggle it, yeah. Yeah. because we don't worship needing to be right we worship god mm. yeah and that's the key is and so what you've done which we all do is we've we make ourselves God. Mm-hmm. And so I become the judge, jury, and executioner. And so mm-hmm. I've got to be right. And so what you need to do is surrender your right to be right. And so that's the thing is, um, you know, Jesus is often criticized for doing a miracle on the Sabbath when in fact he had violated their understanding of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So like oftentimes, you know, we see Jesus spitting. Well, that was actually one of the laws that they'd come up with. You cannot spit on the Sabbath. So that is he seen made as a work. Mud. Yeah, he made mud. So he spits, he violates the Sabbath, then he makes mud, making bricks, right? Which is ridiculous. But 
man, they're so wrapped up in their need to be right. And mm. technically from their perspective, and so here's the thing, they were right. Mm. So they killed God's son and now they're wrong. Right. And so that's the thing is we don't want to kill the work of God's son in our life because of our need to be right. Mm. And, and, and that's, you know, you've got to think mm. about what's the end game. What, what, what do I want, at, you know, in the end? Um, you know, if you're married, you know, do, do I need to be right on this issue or do I want to have a great relationship? Yeah. What, what's most important? And so for us as Christians, the driver's seat is, is loving people and having them love us. And it doesn't mean that we don't speak up for what's good, right, and true, mm-hmm. but when do we do that? And so Jesus says, be as wise as a serpent, and nobody thinks about what that means, and as innocent as a dove. Mm. And so a serpent has one opportunity to strike, and mm. it's the most vulnerable when it strikes. And so... Um, so when am I when am I going to strike at the truth? When am I going to? How am I going to strike at the truth? Right? I have to be shrewd. I have to be very very cautious and very very careful because I get one shot at this, and you can screw this up. Like a great example of watching me screw this up is just YouTube my name when I'm talking about gay marriage. I've got one opportunity to do this, mm. and. In the name of being funny, I strike and it comes out bad. And now I'm an internet celebrity for all the wrong reasons. Mm. Uh, because now I'm your typical evangelical, terrible, awful, whatever person. Yeah. And it's just because I fumbled this moment. Mm. Now, I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, and that's what it should be. And that's what we were voting on talking about. And that's fine. I don't need to be insulting. I don't need to insinuate violence for any reason, which I did humorously. But it mm. was stupid. And the mm. gay community, rightfully so, is sensitive to that. I struck in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing is, is when we assume mm. self-righteousness, this is why you see people in the name of love being evil mm-hmm. and unkind. Yeah. They're marching in the name of love, but they're evil. Mm. They've missed the point. And so as Christians, we have a God who has called us not to repay evil with mm. evil, but to overcome evil with what is good. And so mm. how do I in this moment... The second your most your biggest need is to be right, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God has called you to be righteous, and it's different. Yes. It's different. Mm-hmm. What would God in his infinite wisdom, kindness, love, and joy, what would he call me to do? God is slow to anger, the Bible says. God is constantly wooing and drawing me to a spirit of repentance. How do I do that? And you know, you've got to be so careful and you've got to pray about it. You know, this mm-hmm. weekend I, I hung out with uh, a lot of family because Tammy's mom grandma died. And most of my family is not Christian. Some are, but we have very, very different views on what it means to be a Christian. That's the nicest way to say it. (laughs) So I've got to be very, very careful about what I say and when I say it. Sure. Because I represent God to them and Christians have a reputation for being judgmental and self-righteous. Now, I think non-Christians today are just as judgmental and just as self-righteous, if not more nowadays. But I... Mm. Regardless, I have the reputation, so I have to be so careful. So here's what I would say is, you are bowing down to the altar of needing to be right. Mm. And so you need need to confess that to God. God, I need you to be right, Mm. and I need you to take away my right to be right, because I'm not you. Mm -hmm. God is the judge. And and so there's all kinds of verses, particularly in Romans, it says, who are we to judge? Each of us will stand one day before the throne of God. Look, we're all going to stand before God and give an account. Christian, non-Christian, Buddhist, atheist, whatever. We're all standing before God one day, and we're going to be held accountable for what we did. Your motive should not be to be right. Your motive should to help people see the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you do that? Showing them 
what's right or, or, or proclaiming what's right, that, that doesn't work for anybody. Right. How, how do we win them mm-hmm. to the truth? Not our truth, the truth. Like you right. hear a lot in culture, like I spoke my truth. Well, there's no your truth. Yeah. There's right. your opinion. <laughs> there's no your truth. Right. Yeah. And so, so that's what's so dangerous is you're believing your truth is the truth. Mm-hmm. And you're believing their truth is a lie. Mm-hmm. And so you, the word that you use there that's so nuanced is your perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is such a dangerous thing. Because we oftentimes believe our perspective over the truth. Right. And we have to stop and say, okay, here's how I see this. Mm. Um, you know, there are oftentimes where I feel like I'm right, but I really need to understand my wife's perspective. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, how, how is she coming at this? How does she see this? And how do I meet her there? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm struggling with that with my kids. I have two adult mm. kids and a teenage son. How, how can I see it from their perspective? Because sure. I don't see it from their perspective. I see it from a 47-year-old man with years of experience of perspective, but I need to remind myself of their perspective. And so how can I help them you know, trip over the truth, yeah, sure. arrive at the truth? And I think you have to be calculating like a serpent. You know, a serpent slithers, a serpent hides, right? We, we always think of snakes as a bad thing, but they're a good example in terms of how to help people arrive at the truth. Mm. So you have to be innocent, and that's delicate. You're going to yeah. say something? Well, yeah, well, I almost feel like part of what she's doing here is, isn't helping her get out of the perspective. I think she's stuffing a lot of her yes. thoughts and a lot of her feelings, and oh, I'm that's not going to say anything they're like. totally wrong, but I think by trying to enter into some conversations with some of these people to share your perspective and also be super willing to hear their perspective, mm-hmm. that might diffuse a lot of that anger that's starting to build up in you, that frustration that's building up when if I, you know, Let's say Pastor Matt and I disagree on something. Mm-hmm. I see him do something. I think I'm right. And I just say, hey, I noticed you did this. I, like, I'm like. i not sure understand. that was the best way. What Can you help me understand what you were thinking? Right. Now we've diffused the issue. I've heard his perspective. I'm not stuffing that down into my like memories of the Pastor Matt thing so that next time he does something that frustrates me, I'm yes. mad at him because mm-hmm. I've just layered and layered and layered. So yeah. some of that, I think you got to vent some of those things. If you feel like something's wrong, it's There's, okay to have a conversation about it and just yeah. try to be calm. Because otherwise, I think what you're starting to do is just build that up and build it up. And now you're going to blow up and say a lot of things because a lot of these little things that you could have talked about and had a perspective conversation Mm -hmm. with them now built up into something that's going to be huge and your inner lunatic will come out. Yeah, and I think it, you know, and she didn't say specifically, but I think that there are areas in our culture where reasonable people go nuts. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, it's really hard to have a reasonable conversation on racism. It just is. Mm-hmm. I mean, people that I respect, people that I love, people that I admire. Mm-hmm. You try to talk about racism, sexism, even it's religion. Shoot, this anywhere. weekend, sports, <laughs> right? Yeah. Normally reasonable people lose their ever-loving minds because they surrender themselves yeah. to emotion. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, you know, um, like... Like, for example, let's say we're talking about a racial issue that's in, in culture, you know, uh, um, take a shooting or something that happens. Mm. What I've learned is we're, we're not talking about what happened in uh, the current week's events. We're, we're actually talking about what's happened to them in their life and how they feel about it. Yeah. And so that's the problem is that's where you need to be shrewd and go, okay, we're not going to argue over this person who was shot or not shot or, or this or that person. What I need to understand is what, what happened to them. Mm-hmm. You know, what happened to them? And, um, you know, I went to a conversation on race. Uh, Pastor Rick Warren brought pastors from all over the place. And, you know, I don't think most of it was productive. But, I mean, there's this black pastor who talked about the first time when he was seven years old he heard his dad talk down to. 
And mm. I mean, that moved me. And so everything mm. for the rest of his life is going to be seen from that one moment mm. and how it hurt him to see his yeah. dad be treated that way. So I was like, okay, I, I understand his perspective. Yeah. And now I can come alongside and, and, and try to understand things from his way. Mm. The same thing is, you know, if a woman is talking about the glass ceiling or this or that, right. you know, there's probably something that's happened in their life specifically, and I need to go there and deal with that before we can ever have a conversation about, you know, wage or wage gap or any or this or that. So, and what we tend to do is we argue on facts without dealing with the feelings. What happened mm. to this person? What's happened in their life? Because really the thing we should be talking about is what happened to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what, what's going on in your life, you know, how has this impacted and affected you? Because what we're all doing is we're bringing our emotion from what's actually happened to us and the way we perceive it into this public area of debate. And so then the truth, not truth, becomes so hard to come at because everybody's emotions are so heightened Mm -hmm. and so upset. And, And here's the other thing, in our modern day and age, for whatever reason, one of the highest moral values in American culture is giving your opinion on everything. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like if America had 10 commandments in the 10, it would be to speak your truth whenever possible on social media, right. on the internet, at coffee, whatever, regardless of your lack of experience, understanding or wisdom right. on the sub- subject matter. Like that's like, the, it may be top three. Like, yeah. like you, you are, you're woke, bro. Like you're awake, man. <laughs> if you just speak your truth and it's just like, yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. um, one of the things that wisdom's taught me is is how to shut up mm-hmm. and just be like, mm. and so I, I mean, obviously I have the gift of gab, so I've really had to work on that. But again, try to understand the person. And a great, great book um, is actually called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. It's not famous anymore, but it was written in the 90s. And he has this chapter called Paradigm Shift. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he talks about the story about you know, um, this this guy on a train and his kids are running around and distracting everybody. And he, this this parent is completely clueless mm. and doesn't care at, seem to care at all about how his children are a nuisance to mm. everybody on board. And so finally, this person, like our our, our question asker, mm-hmm. goes up and says, "Don't you see what your kids are doing? Yeah, your kids are raising havoc." Yeah. And the person says, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't even notice. We just came from the hospital and their mother died." Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah. Okay, so, so they're right, right? Your kids are unruly. Mm-hmm. They're misbehaved. What they're doing is socially and culturally wrong. Oh, but they just lost their mom. Mm. Yeah. See? And so, you know, when we're talking about race, when we're talking about religion, when we're talking about politics, or even sports. So, uh, you know, everybody's losing their minds, uh, you know, about the Saints no call. And I'm a Rams fan. It's a bad call. I agree with it. Yeah. Uh, I even like Nikel Roby. Uh, he played for the Trojans. I liked him when he was in college. Yeah. <laughs> he made a bonehead play, and he got away with it. Why Why is our culture losing their mind? Because there's an underlying feeling that we've all been screwed. Yeah. And the refs, the police, the government, right. the system, mm-hmm. whatever, screws us over. Yeah. And so uh, we need to talk about that and say, you know, when has there been a time where, you know, you had an encounter with a police officer and, and it wasn't right or a teacher or a person in power or authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've all had those moments. And so then what we need to transition the conversation is how do we as people of power, how do we handle authority? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do we handle position? How do we do what's fair? How do we do what's right? And so, um, and that's where we really need to reshape it is, is not, you know, against the man or resisting this or that. It's like, how do we become people, Mm. um, who've inherited power, um, 
and, and how do we how do we treat it right? Because if we're not careful, we repeat the sins of the past over and over and over yeah. again. And um, you know, nobody studies history anymore, and that's why we, you know, those yeah. who ignore history are what destined to repeat it. Yes, yeah. dude, I didn't even wow. tell you that. Hey-o. Bam, on it. Look at us. Look at that. Great minds think alike. That yeah. So if what too. I've said has sent you into the stratosphere because of race, religion, or politics, <laughs> please understand. I don't well, know your story. I don't know your perspective. You're not in the room. But I would love. I mean, it's not actually true. I would love for you to spend time with someone, not mm-hmm. myself, because, oh my gosh, can you imagine? <laughs> I would never have a life. But but I love you and I care mm-hmm. about you. And just know, man, the hotter the topic, the harder it is to have a rational yeah. discussion about it. Well, it's it. interesting that she says, I will go to war with myself and my mind. And so much of what we've been talking about, about this year being a great year, what you've been saying is our thought life, how mm-hmm. important that is. Yeah. And um, you even said um, this last week was... Maybe that's something, the one thing that needs to change is, is a thought life, yeah. uh, patterns of thinking. And I, I don't, obviously, you know, we have what we have here, but when I read it, I, I can identify with some of this with Are you a being nine a too, nine, right? yeah, yeah. the unhealthy side. When that unhealthy starts to kick in, man, mm-hmm. you start, you go to that place in oh, your yeah. mind. All the conversations mm-hmm. happen Everything in here. Everything that's happened wrong, but I'm not going to say anything about it. But I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. And one of the most powerful things is engaging in the healthy side of that and saying, no, actually, mm-hmm. I, I, help me understand. I love mm-hmm. what you said. Help me understand why this why instead of coming to conclusions well they probably did this because of it and you come to those conclusions and it will destroy you to where you skip all of those opportunities and then when it does come out it's Mm -hmm. a lunatic yeah and i can speak from experience because that's what happens and so uh man to encourage shasta if that's you and you you feel you can't speak your mind in that take little baby steps Mm -hmm. um Find some safe people. Yes. Find some people you know, like I can I can ask them or tell them what I actually think and they're probably not gonna blow up is on you. Is this crazy? Am I out of, yeah. Yeah. But, and, and let me say this. Mm. How you say it is just as important as what you say. Oh, yes. yes, that's good. And you have to learn that. Tone matters. Mm-hmm. Um and again, so if you're a nine on the Enneagram, especially nine one, you have to learn to declare, 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 mm-hmm. declare your truth because what you'll do is you'll take it, take it, take it, take it. Then that unhealthy one will come out and you'll just literally slice some people, oh, you know, yeah. right. people that you love. super passive aggressive. And yep. you'll think people know, don't notice. They know when you're being passive aggressive. Oh yeah. I got called out on that by my husband this weekend. He's like, wow, that was really passive aggressive. The way that you, you know, mm-hmm. mentioned that you didn't like how I did that. I'm like, Oh, you know, you notice that? Mm, the joys of marriage. Yeah. Oh, I love that oh, Stephanie is married good. now. This is so good. Oh yeah. I'm learning a lot. Oh, that's good. How, how long have you been married now? Um, uh, almost, it'll be a year in April or yeah. two years in April. Call me at two years. That's when it gets nice. real. Yeah. <laughs> It's Actually, kind of, I think you, know, you guys are probably pretty it's real. Kind of pretty real. Yeah. So, year seven for us. Ooh, the seven-year itch. That was that was when it got real. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you know that most Americans change all relationships every seven years? There's actually a professor. Really? I'm not kidding you. This huh. is how stupid our schools are. <laughs> There's actually a professor at uh, the University of Georgia who has based relationships on the life of apes. Oh, why not? And they they change like every seven years. So like every seven years, he gets a new wife, new family, new kids, because he's an ape. Well, I'll be honest, that... seven years this summer, so I should just, yeah. it's been nice, guys, but yeah. I'll see you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and again, so, you know, don't reinvent your relationships, reinvigorate the relationship. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so go deeper, look mm-hmm. at new things to do. And, um, you know, Tammy and I are going on our third stretch of seven. So we're at 21 years. And nice. actually, we dated a long time before that. But, um, you know, there you just constantly have to find new ways to enjoy each other, new yeah. things to enjoy, new things to discover. And the truth is, you know, I continue, um, like, man, I gotta, I gotta brag on my wife. So my wife is terrified of public speaking, like mm-hmm. terrified. Like I, whenever she speaks at Cultivate, just know I'm in hell for like 
three weeks because she's just so she's an unhealthy six in that mm. way and she's afraid of everything that's going to go wrong yeah. she feels stupid she feels this whatever mm. she got up and spoke and i wasn't even aware that she was going to speak at her at her grandmother's funeral mm. and as she spoke i was wowed and enamored mm. and and had i divorced or we ended like i never would have gotten to experience that and and so as i'm watching her speak and i'm just mm. in awe and wonder of her i look over and i watch our daughters Oh, I watch cool. my nieces yeah. and nephews hanging on every word that she's saying, mm. looking up it's to powerful. her, seeing yeah. her as strong, safe, secure. And I just thought, and that's what you miss in life when you throw away relationships, mm. when you give up on people and you're just like, you know, ah, they'll never change. And I'm literally watching my wife transform into mm. this. Like, I, I mean, I actually thought what she shared was the best, better than what I said. I, I did the funeral. I thought mine was pretty lame, but I thought hers was, <laughs> I thought hers was just great and, um, and, and short and, yeah. and to the point. And um, mm. I just was so, so incredibly proud of her um, because I know how much fear plays a part in her life. Yeah. Um, you know, in the same mm. way I'm driven to be successful, she's driven to not die and you know, be kidnapped uh -huh. or whatever else. So, yeah. so anyways, you know, that, that's the beauty of long-term relationships of staying in a church, yeah. of staying in a small group, pushing through, of pushing yeah. through and it's saying, good. okay, we're going to fight for this. Um, you know, and, and, and we're going to, we're going to try to make this work now on the same token, if you're an unhealthy person and you're in an abusive relationship, you know, you may need to stop making excuses and, right. and saying, you know, okay, this person they just exploded. You know, there's a difference between having a moment of anger and being an angry person. Yes. And so like, you know, a husband can lose his mind, but if this is who they are and they're dangerous, mm. you need to get to a safe place. And yeah. so a lot of times yeah. abusive wives, wives that are abused will make excuses or will make an excuse for an abusive person and will say, well, they had a bad day or this or that or that. Yeah. It's like, no, this is who they are. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we need to pray for them from a distance, but we need to get out of the cage with a gorilla. So mm. yeah. That's good. Wow, that conversation went all over the place. <laughs> all right, so let's it. shift gears a little bit. So Linda wrote in. Um, this is going to be a really long question because she gave a lot of really great detail. But Yay, I Linda, think she we hit love on the something. details. Yeah. yeah, really great from your message from this weekend. So let's get into it. Linda says, I don't disagree that most of us are lazy and want God to change our circumstances without us doing any work. I've been a pseudo-Christian for most of my life. By mm. that, I mean I professed Christianity, but it didn't believe in the devil or hell. And I thought sin was a simple mistake with no consequence, except whatever the worldly outcome of that mistake would be. In 2015, that began to change. I'm not sure how or why, but slowly I began to move closer to being an authentic Christian. About the same time this began, I also began to have health problems. It seems as as my commitment to Jesus grew, my health deteriorated to the point of me needing to stop working and rely on state disability. In his sermon, Pastor Matt asked, what is Jesus calling us to do to change our life in 2019? Using the man at the pool at Bethesda as an object lesson. He talked about changes that Jesus is calling us to make so that we can have a better life, but that we are unwilling to change. How do I know what Jesus is calling me to do and I'm unwilling versus what I want to do that's unreasonable? For example, I keep hearing God wants us to be in community, that we aren't meant to do this alone. I want to come to church. I want to get involved in all that goes on and volunteer and be a part of the community. But just getting to church seems more than I can physically do right now. I still sometimes can't know if I'm making excuses or expecting too much of myself. Please help me understand how to know the difference between what Jesus is calling me to change and what I feel guilty about not being able to change. Yeah. Wow, man. Ooh, yeah, that was good. Um, the first thing that I would say is, um, I mean, I would have an honest conversation with a Christian doctor. So if you can find a Christian mm -hmm. doctor, that's the first place that I would go. You know, just ask around at, at your hospital, or whatever, and and a Christian, and by a Christian doctor, not a pseudo Christian doctor, but somebody who's active in their local church, 
and I would just ask them a question. Am I healthy enough to go to church? Mm-hmm. So the first thing, you know, that's, that's the best way. A- am mm-hmm. I, you know, am I just making excuses for myself? Um, or, or can I get to church? Cause some people legitimately can't get to church mm-hmm. uh, and the church actually needs to know about that because we need to rally around you as a family yes. member oh, and help yeah. get you here. So <clears throat> I'm sure that we have all kinds of listeners that would want to uh, be a part of helping oh, get yeah. you to church, get Absolutely. you in community group. I mean, I can think of uh, one of my friends each week who brings a guy who's in a wheelchair and they typically sit right in front, <clears throat> you know, and this guy's a very, very smart guy mm. um, with his family, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, brings this guy to church each and every week. And so that's that's a part of the church. I mean, that's part of the church's responsibility is to love those um, who are going through difficult times and hard times. Mm. You know, I think about uh, my mom, you know, my mom and dad haven't been at the church I grew up in, I don't know, 20, 25 years but there was an old woman in our church uh, who was married. Her name was Lois Churchwell, and she was married to a guy named Carl. And Carl worked for the post service, um, so he's a mailman, and he got mm-hmm. hit by a terrible, terrible accident. And so, you know, had to retire. Was in a wheelchair most of his life. And so, growing up, uh, I only knew Carl in a wheelchair, and I knew Lois as as a, a career woman who had uh, stopped everything to take care of her ailing husband. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he died. But you know, twenty five years later my mom and a woman at this church had cared for Lois her entire life. Mm-hmm. She had no children, wow. um, had walked with them and cared for them. And Lois left them in her will mm-hmm. because they were family to her. Yeah. And, um, and Lois didn't end well. She got, she had uh, Alzheimer's issues, um, got really ugly, accusative, mm-hmm. mean. And this was a sweet, beautiful woman. And towards the very end, it got really, really ugly. And it was really, really hard for uh, my mom and um, her friend that cared for this woman. But that's what the church does. And I just yeah. thought about it. It was a 25-year commitment. Mm. So my parents left that church but never left Lois because mm. Lois needed to be cared for and loved and mm. and really, really looked after. And so that's what Sandals needs to do. You know, who are the people in our church? How do we help them end life well, end yeah. life loved, mm. end life with meaning? Um, and here's the thing is, is, you know, a lot of you struggle with if God is so loving, why— does he allow people to go through disabilities? And here's my answer. I believe that God allows disabilities because without people who are disabled, people who are normal can't love. Mm. Like we can never become, I can never become who I'm supposed to be as a healthy person if I don't confront the reality of the blessings of my body that works and my yeah. mind that works mm-hmm. and help those whose mind does not work and help those whose bodies don't work. Yes, We actually need people to be disabled for us collectively as humanity to reflect God. Mm-hmm. And so I think God's allowed a little evil in the world so that he can bring a supreme good. And so, you know, mm-hmm. when you think about Romans eight twenty eight, God uses all things to good uh, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And C.S. Lewis writes a great book, Linda, called The Problem of Pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of my favorite books. I don't, I honestly don't know how many times I've read it. Um, I stopped reading all C.S. Lewis books about 10 years ago when I discovered that all of his books were talk shows and conversations, and his books are actually better listened to than read. Oh, interesting. Because that's the context of Uh. them. And so um, it kind of took him to a whole nother level Hmm. as I allowed his thoughts to be spoken to me rather than read, and it really just transformed me. Um, But, um, you know, just so you know, you know, you talked about as you've gotten more real with God, your body has deteriorated. And here's what I would say. Instead of being bitter at God, I would praise God Mm. Uh, that I don't think that they are, they're connected. I don't think that as you serve God, your body started to deteriorate. I think your body was going to deteriorate for whatever reason right. and praise God as you became physically weak, you've become spiritually stronger. Mm-hmm. So I would really, yeah. really try to focus on that. And then I would just allow, you know, how can sandals help you? But 
How can you help yourself? Mm -hmm. What is it that you need to do? Um, You know, invite people to speak into your life. I don't know your diet. I don't know your routine. I don't know your exercise. I don't know this. What I do know is people that are ill, no matter where you are, you can do something. Mm. There's some area of your life that you can change. There's something that you can do, do different to make your life better. We can all do that. And we need, and here's the thing is, what you're oblivious to will probably be obvious Mm-hmm. to us. Yeah. And so just have some healthy people who can speak into your life and be willing to not make excuses, right? What does the guy say? I can't, Lord, because every right. time the water is stirred. So as soon yeah. as we say, I can't, what does the apostle Paul say? I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Now, unfortunately, we've made that like a Nike slogan. Right. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's actually talking about doing difficult things. Everything building up to that verse yeah. is all of the, I know what it's like to have nothing. Yeah. I know mm-hmm. what it's like to be in one. Yeah. It's about overcoming difficulties and life's hardships. I can do these things in Christ right. who strengthens me. <laughs> so what would it look like to make it to church once a month? Yeah. What would it look like to make it twice a month? Mm-hmm. What would it look like to, um, you know get to a a small group, to have a small group in your home. I don't know where you live. What would it look like to continue to open yourself away? So here's Mm -hmm. what I would say is, I don't know your condition, but I know this isolation is not helping. Right. Mm -hmm. So if there's any way, I know, uh, I mean, shoot, more people watch online now than attend Mm -hmm. on a service. So to put that in perspective, we had over 10,000 people this weekend in the seats. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have more people that watch online. So, So I get that. Um, but you still need you you need that that connection. You need right. that time together. You, you need to to really work out what what did the Holy Spirit say this weekend, and how does that manifest in my life? And so, if you were in community group, it's Linda, right? Mm-hmm. Linda, yeah, Linda. If you were in community group, I think you would have some people who could better um, speak to your life, and and we all need this. Like for example, I mean, I went out to uh, lunch with a doctor in our church. I mean, he's a he's a medical doctor. And we're, we're just having lunch, and I'm just like, bro, let's talk about your lifestyle. <laughs> and, I, and so here's this guy who professionally does what I'm doing over lunch. Yeah. And, and I'm just challenging him. I said, I love you. Here's what I see. And he knows everything, but needs to be spoken by somebody that he loves, trusts, and respects. Right. And I'm just like, look, you know, I need you to surrender these areas of your life to God. And some mm-hmm. of it has to do with diet, exercise, sleeping lack of stress, true Sabbath, right. everything. Stuff that he knows. Yeah. But knowing's only half the battle, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, <laughs> the, guy, the guy's brilliant. You know, yeah. he's, he's a medical doctor, and yet, right, even medical doctors can be stupid with their own well, lives. You need, that's why you need community. Yeah. yeah. There was an interesting thing at the end here where she tags on, and I thought that was really telling, um, where she says, please help me understand how to know the difference between what Jesus is calling me to change and that which I feel guilty about uh, not being able to change. That guilty piece of it tells me when I hear her write this is that she's probably thinking, what what does it look like to serve? And if I can't do that specifically, right. mm-hmm. then I'm no good, which is so far from the truth. Right. I mean, yeah. how many people have you seen do incredible things mm-hmm. for the Lord and oh, leading yeah. others and, and discipling and so much of that? And they're dealing with some of the most painful, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, some of the most um, awful health things that they're going through. And yet they have found that's the beauty of the body of Christ. When oh, one yeah. suffers, we all suffer. Mm-hmm. They've found that that community in that, but that they can also be contributing in mm-hmm. that community. Um, yeah, that was inter- the guilty part, man. My, my heart 
breaks for that that mm-hmm. feeling of no, you are valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, as you were speaking to that, I was thinking of that. You are no, you you do contribute. Yeah. And this journey that she's been on, starting off saying, being able to even say she's been a pseudo Christian for most of her life. That's yeah, that's massive. real. Being yeah. able to Super really yeah. understand. Oh wait, I need to readjust some mm-hmm. things here, um, and being a part of that community. Not just as someone that sounds like needs to be loved and, and be brought in, but does have things of value to oh, offer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just may look different. You know, volunteering may sure. look like working from home. I mean, all of the volunteers that I work with at Sandal Search actually, we work remotely. Like they work from home, sure. they help write, they help edit. And so there's volunteers that are helping out all over the place that actually don't even show up to serve mm-hmm. here on a weekend. They're serving yeah. elsewhere. And so it may look different for you, but it, yeah, you're definitely not exempt. Yeah, from I mean, that we have a, a small group host. Uh, she tweets me sometimes from England. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, she's she's one of our small group hosts. She's an online host, and yeah. she's you know tweeting me, giving me updates on her life, what yeah. she's doing, and man, that's great. And um, you know, it, it's just a fabulous thing. And so you don't have to you don't have to be at the church physically sure. to make an impact spiritually. Yeah, so that's great. That's you good. Know, that's our new uh, online thing. I like that. Yeah. yeah, you know, and so the Apostle Paul actually says that although I'm absent in the body, I'm with you in spirit. Mm-hmm. He yeah. says, I'm with you guys, yes. man. I, I am in this. I'm praying for you, and, and I am there. And he's actually talking about church discipline, which is just scary, right? Mm. Um, <laughs> and and he's saying, look, guys, I, I, I'm with you, and I'm united. And, and that's from our online community. Man, that's mm. what we really need you to be praying about. Even though you're absent in body, how are you present with us spiritually? Yes. Mm-hmm. How are you praying for us emotionally? How are you joining the Sandals vision? Because... Listen to me, the truth Jesus says sets people free. Mm. And until people trip over that truth, man, they're not going to be set free. Yeah. And so, you know, we need to be praying, we need to be serving, we need to be giving generously, we need to be, you know, helping this vision of authenticity become real because the reality is a lot of people can't get to a sandals location. Uh they're they're mm. in a position like Linda is where they're struggling figuring that out. And the truth is, man, you know, we're talking about what Linda can do, but what can we do as a church for someone like Linda? That's and, good. And how can we help? And, and how can Are we, we truly minister? all suffering yeah. when mm-hmm. one suffers, yeah. like we said? Yeah. No, that's good. Mm-hmm. Great question, Linda. Yeah, we love question. you. Yeah. Um, the next question uh, is an- anonymous. It says, I was just recently diagnosed as having adult ADHD, and I've been struggling to get my life together for a long time. I often feel overwhelmed with all the things uh, I need to change. As a person with a disability, how can I tackle all of the changes I need to make? Yeah, don't tackle them all. Yeah. Tackle one. It's <laughs> good. You know what? Jeez, uh, I did, did not plan on talking about seven habits of highly effective people, but uh, Stephen Covey, and, and this is why his book w- was so life-changing. Mm. Um, one of the things that he talks about, what what successful people do is they take care of the big things first. So he gives this illustration mm. um, with like business executives. You have sand, you have rocks, little rocks, you have big rocks. You have all these things that you have to stuff into uh, this bucket. Right. And he's like, what do you put in first? And so a lot of people start off with the sand. They put the sand the at the easiest. bottom, mm-hmm. and and, yeah. and they work, and then they have no room at the top. The big rocks. And he says you have to start with the biggest things first. The biggest mm. things go in first, and then all the little things fit around it. And so what I would do is, what is the biggest thing in your life? Yeah, the so, one thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have attention deficit hyperactive disorder. So yeah. uh, I have ADD, so I don't have the the hyperactivity part. Mm. Um, so the hyperactivity part, literally, I believe, is just the manifestation outwardly of what's happening in you inwardly. Mm. So I have the inward anxiety that this person has and the, and the, the impulsiveness and the racing of the mind. I don't act on those mm. things. So mine just kind of swim around in my mind like a fish tank, whereas, yeah. um, you know, this person just impulsively lashes out 
physically at people. This can be verbally. It can be physical. Um, you know, kids with this will just hit kids, you know, mm. uh, in their frustration, they'll whack a kid or, or hurt themselves yeah. or hurt somebody else. Yeah. And so the first thing that I would do is, is what, what's the number one thing that I, I need to do? What, what's the biggest area in my life? Don't try to put it all together because life is overwhelming. Right. It just is. Um, so, so how do, how do I do, how do I get right first? So the first thing I would do is write my relationship with God. What, what are the things that I can do to improve yeah. that? That's good. Um, and, and, and what does that look like? What does it look like? For a person with ADHD to have a quiet time, very differently from everybody else. Yes. So, um, you know, I would have your Bible open, and, and so here's what I had to do because you know, I, people you say, "Well, I pray for an hour." Or this or that. Man, I can't get through a prayer for five minutes. So, <laughs> you know, the Lord's prayer is 15 seconds. Mm. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead mm. us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 15 seconds, average. That's how Jesus taught us how to pray. Right. Apparently, he knew people were going to have ADHD. <laughs> so just do yeah. that. Just start there. Real short prayers. Um, you know, read through the New Testament and just go as far as you can. Like, mm -hmm. and if that's if that's a sentence, it's a sentence. If it's a if it's a paragraph, it's a paragraph. If it's a chapter, it's a chapter. Um, but just do a little every day. And I don't, I just don't beat myself up over it every day. Yeah. And so I just read through the Bible every day and I try to make sure I'm in God's word every day. And so with ADD and ADHD, there are some times when your thoughts are just out of control. Mm -hmm. And so like last night, uh, I have a shortened week this week because of MLK um, weekend. And um, I, I, I just couldn't sleep because I, I knew I needed to get my sermon done. And so I was mm -hmm. tossing and turning. And um, what I probably should have done last night was just not try to go to sleep and work on my sermon. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, sometimes you just have to deal with your disability. Yeah. Just deal with it. Okay, I can't sleep, so I'm going to do something productive. I'm not going to do something unproductive like look at porn or watch some stupid show that makes me even more whacked out or, <laughs> or eat a bunch of ice cream or get jacked yeah. up on Mountain Dew or, or whatever it is. I, I'm In my inability to rest and relax, I'm going to do something productive. That's good. Uh, and that could be as simply as taking a walk and praying. You know, mm -hmm. take your flashlight with you. But I mean, I've had to do that. And I, I go out in yeah. the backyard with my flashlight, and I and I try to deal with my racing thoughts. And, mm. and how do how do I deal with this? And so, um, I, when I was younger, I would do something unproductive. Mm. I would do something sinful. I would do something awful. And so, I, yeah, I've learned to to not do that. Mm. Um, you know, in the middle of the night when you can't sleep, that's not that's not the time to be looking for an online buddy. You yeah. know, because <laughs> yeah. I because uh, I'm guessing. You're gonna you're gonna end up on the dark web, not on, on right. Jesus's web. So sure. be really really careful. Mm -hmm. um, so just be honest with yourself. The mm -hmm. next thing I would do is find a support group um, with people that are struggling with ADHD. Find out what they've done that has been successful. That's good, yeah. And so 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 figure that out. But don't try to tackle everything. That is mm -hmm. insane. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's something beautiful to this because there can be a very negative, which sounds like I've been struggling to get my life together for a long time. Here's the good news. All of us are. We're mm -hmm. all trying to be, become more and more like Christ. Yeah, yeah. And so there is actually a beautiful thing in this is as as we take every moment and we take the small things and say, God, I want to surrender myself today. Right. Today, I want to walk with you. Help me to walk today in my decisions. And we're going to get it right sometimes. Right. And sometimes we're not. But mm -hmm. is the beauty of God drawing us to mm -hmm. him is it's not this... And I hear you all the time, you're not, get all your stuff together and then come to me. Right. It's actually the opposite yeah. of that. And that's what's so cool about this vision of being real is, mm -hmm. hey, I need God. Yeah, <laughs> I, bring your I'm mess broken. to the Messiah, Bring man. your mess. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what's so, yeah, I, to, to say that 
hey, look, yeah, you're going to continue to spend time mm-hmm. over and over getting it closer to to what God's standard is and all of that, but God is drawing you in. That overwhelming feeling um, could be coming from a place of, uh, I, if I don't look this way or mm-hmm. do these yeah. things, God's not going to love me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't say that, but I would maybe assume yeah. something like that. Yeah, and it's real simple. I mean, I, I think sometimes like when our life's unraveled, what we feel like is we have to find our career. Mm. What I would say is, no, let's find a job. Mm-hmm. It's good. Let's start, let, let, let's start with something else, uh, something smaller. Let's find a job. Let's keep a job. Let's do a job well. Mm. Like, I mean, right. Think about what, what's yeah. your goal for the day? It, you know, do, do the job well. Well, what yeah. I do doesn't matter. Well, how do we make it matter? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do we make that matter? Mm. You can find beauty in everything. I mean, one of the greatest books, gosh, I can't think of the name of it, but it's written by a guy who does dishes. And he does dishes in the monastery, mm. and it's called Practicing the Presence of God. Oh, is yeah. that what it is? Practicing mm-hmm. the Presence. And Okay, we don't—listen, we don't know anything that was written by anybody that was in leadership at that abbey. Mm. But we know what the janitor thought. Yeah. Because his words are read over and over again. And what he found is joy in serving the Lord by doing dishes, yeah. by cleaning up messes, you know, by, by, by doing what they do. Yeah. And um, there, there's beauty. There's beauty in work, guys. There's going to be work in heaven. Thank God. I mean, I know all my nines are disappointed, but there's going to be work <laughs> in heaven, and it's going to be glorious work. And we're going to be able to serve the Lord, doing great things mm-hmm. uh, without the evil of weeds. Yeah, you know, we're gonna, but we're gonna be able to serve God and, and do work. And so, find that one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, if you're ADHD, I'm guessing that you may have been self medicating. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, if the doctor has started you on medication, let's stop marijuana. Mm. A lot of people that I meet, uh, you know, with ADHD, with other, you know, with anxiety disorders, you're self-medicating with something else. And so here's the tragedy that no one's talking about. Hospitals start you on medication that's supposed to help. You, you need to stop the medications that haven't. Uh-huh. The self-prescribed medication, alcohol, mm. marijuana, meth, heroin, whatever it is, mm. you got you, you got to get those things off. And Because here's what I see all the time. People that have mental disabilities is the doctor's prescribing and they're prescribing. Mm. And then you mix those cocktails together That's and we good. have a disaster. Yeah. yeah. Um, man, I just lost a good friend last year um, who was struggling and battling mental illness. And so the psychiatrist was prescribing drugs and he was taking steroids and doing mm. other things. And he didn't tell the doctor about what he was taking. And so those things together and he took his life. Wow. Mm. Yeah, and uh, remember, we lie to two sets of people all the time: our doctors and our pastors. So, um, you know, and so, yeah. and that's unfortunate. And so, uh, thank you for being real. Yeah. Let's praise God that you've been diagnosed. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that here's the beauty in di- in being diagnosed: is there's hope. Okay, yeah. well, now we know what's wrong because in order for us to find a solution, we have to find the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. So now you know. Oh, this is why I'm the way I am. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I met a guy. Uh, in his 50s, who finally figured out he was bipolar. I bet everybody else knew it. Yeah. But he finally figured it out, you know, four marriages later, mm. 20 jobs later. Wow. Oh, I've got a problem. Yeah. And I need to I need to find some, some middle ground here. Otherwise, I'm not going to make it in life. Mm. So praise God. Don't feel discouraged. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're diagnosed young, celebrate that. Be like, okay, hey. And if you're a parent and your kid's got a problem, it always drives me crazy when parents, you know, if your child has an issue, man, don't avoid it. Don't pretend it's not there. Let's right. deal with that so mm-hmm. we can help that kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, the yeah. worst thing ever is when parents try to pretend there's not a problem. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen an autistic child and, and the parents are like, yeah, we don't know why he's struggling. I'm like, 
I know why they're struggling. Mm. Your kid, you know, has a problem. And that's okay. You know, we don't wish that on our kids, but you're not doing your child any favors by pretending there isn't an issue. Yeah. The sooner they can deal with their challenge. I mean, think about how helpful it would be for somebody to say, hey, Matt, you have dyslexia. That's why spelling and reading is so hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, um, you know, I didn't know everybody else didn't have the words jumping all over the page. I mm. didn't know. Yeah, I mean, I just didn't know that. No. And mm-hmm. I felt so unsuccessful. Think about a three. Oh, yeah. I felt mm-hmm. so unsuccessful in school. Mm-hmm. And so it destroyed my self-worth when if somebody just could have said, hey, we think Matt is smart. The words are just moving. Yeah. So, so don't be afraid of that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, people are always uh, afraid of being diagnosed with cancer. Well, we can't kill the cancer until we diagnose it. So, yeah. mm-hmm. man, if it's there, we want to know so that we can, we can kill it, destroy it, yeah. and you can move on with your life. And so, you know, I praise God that we live in a day and age where people can diagnose and, and, and begin to help you. Mm-hmm. But the diagnosis is the first step. Yeah. You've got to make the choices to get better. And again, don't use it as an excuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's what happens. Well, it's just my ADHD. That's Have you why found that in your life? At, that Did you ever struggle with that as using kind of that disqualifying yourself or using something as an excuse as you became to realize, oh, dyslexia or ADD or any of those things? Was that ever a challenge for you? Well, I, I didn't know I had an eye problem until I was in the Army. Mm. So when I was in the Army, you know, they test your eyes and I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm failing the eye test. Hmm. Well... It's because the letters are jumping all over the place. Mm. And so I had to go to a specialist and then they're like, um, you know, no, your eyesight is fine. As 2020, it's just everything's moving. But everything's moving. Yeah. You know, so um, so I just really, really struggled passing an eye test. And so mm. that's when I began to realize, oh, and, and what you do is if you're undiagnosed, you cope. So mm. like I joked about, I got through college without ever reading a book. That's actually sadly true. Mm. I mean, that's yeah. not a Matt Brown, you know, story. I never the read action. a book. Yeah. I bought all the books. I never read them uh, mm. I, because it was torture. Yeah. It was torture to get through them. So I picked a professor who lectured. And so I just think you kind of adapt and, and you don't know, just like families kind of adapt. Mm. Well, dad, you know, we don't want to set them off. Well, dad's bipolar, but nobody knew that. Uh, or dad's yeah. an alcoholic and nobody wants to name it. So everybody, you know, mm. there's always uh, the codependent person that's allowing that to happen. Sure. And so when you love somebody, say, hey, this is how you are. But that's not an excuse. And that's why Jesus says, oh, I've been here for 38 years. Yeah, but do you want to get well? Yeah. So you may mm. not be able to be cured of your ADHD, but can we make your life better? Yeah. Yes. That's good. You know, Linda may not be able to come to church, but can we make her feel more connected? Yes. Mm-hmm. There's always something we can do where I think we tend to throw our hands up in the air and we go, yeah, mm-hmm. I can't I can't change anything. Right. Mm-hmm. It's in God's hands. Right. And it's like, I mean, I've had pastors tell me that. Oh, it's in God's hands. Like, well, God put it in your hands. Right. Like, what are you doing with your life? And, um, mm. you know, I watch parents throw their hands up in the air with kids. Oh, well, you know, the child's on their own. They're 11. Let's, yeah. you know, and again, mm-hmm. even with teenagers and young adults, I, parent, well, they're an adult. Yeah, but we live in a stupid culture. Mm. You got to speak into that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you got to jump in there. And um, it's hard. It's really, really mm-hmm. hard. And I've learned it's different with girls than it is with boys. And you got to, you know, deal with them differently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, despite what our culture says, you yeah. know, gender is very real. Yeah. So, um don't give up hope. Rejoice in that. What's what's the biggest thing that's most destructive? And if you don't know, go back to your employer and say, why'd you fire me? And say, I'm not suing. I want to know why. What did I do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because people always want to make excuses as to what went wrong or what didn't happen. And, and it's human nature to make excuses and to say, they did this. Mm-hmm. Okay. They did that. 
but what did you do? Right. You know, what did you do? And um, be honest and be open about what it is that you're doing so that you can change it. Because if you're not mm -hmm. real, you're not going to heal. And, yeah. and I, you heard me say that all the time. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. that first step, being real with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great good. question, bro. Yeah. Be praying for you, man. So we have a couple questions we're going to save for next week because part of your sermon this what? weekend talked about having a better year also has to do with the people that we surround ourselves with. So we've yeah. got some really great questions on relationships. We're going to save for next week because we're already going pretty over our time. Or because you're a one and you're going to be in control right now. <laughs> we can get to him if you want. We can no, go no, along. No, we'll no, save no. him for next week. But yeah. if you guys have questions about how to have better relationships and surround yourself with people who are healthy for you in the new year, send those in. We'd love to get to those next week. And we'll be talking a lot about what you talk about this weekend because I think it's going to be an incredible, incredible sermon. Yeah. But, well, I hope so. Be praying for me this week. Uh, I couldn't sleep last night. I was super anxious. Mm. Um, and that happens from time to time. And, you know, people always say, you make it look so easy. I say, well, well, I'm a faker. So <laughs> don't, don't believe the way that it looks. Yeah. Um, it's a, it, it's a weird thing yeah. to get up and do it as many times as I do it. We're getting ready to go to two Saturday night services, which mm -hmm. means I'll be speaking five times, um, which I'm mm -hmm. not super excited about, but you know, we got to do what we got to do. And yeah. so, um, I'm super grateful to all of our campuses that watch on video that man, you have no idea how that blesses me. It means yeah. I don't have to preach a thousand times. So mm -hmm. thank you very much. And mm -hmm. I, I just love all of our campuses that, um, mm -hmm you know, have, have been willing to say no to my physical presence, but they've been willing to say yes to the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And God is just moving in our campuses mm -hmm. and, and, and doing great things. So super excited about what God yeah. is doing. Say a little prayer for me uh, this week. And keep all the great questions coming. Oh, these yeah. Are fantastic. Yes. yeah, these yeah, are You great. can always send those in at debrief.show or you can send us a message on Facebook. We would love to get your questions on the show. Yes. Bye, right. guys. Awesome. Bye, guys. Thanks so much. Bye.